You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 149 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me, as always, in the kitchen studio is my co-host, Matt Smith. Hello, good, good evening. It is evening. It's Friday it's evening. evening. Uh, it is uh, It is just gone ten past seven, which I'm quite pleased with. Not too bad. We're only ten minutes late today. I know. Uh, and it is the 27th of January 2017. So, we are here then. It's a Friday night. I'm so glad to see loads of people in really the chat room yeah, with yeah. us this evening. It is filled up. We've even got Dr. Steph in there as well, wow. so we better be on Ooh, our best podcast behavior. Royalty. Podcast Everyone behave royalty. themselves. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. And uh, Pilot Pip as well in there. Philip Ooh. Davis, Masha Schultback is in there. Nev, Mike is in there. Barbara, Tony S, Liz Piper. David Corston as well. He's joined us in there. Oh, David. I haven't heard from David in ages. I know. He's disappeared, yeah, isn't he? Uh, Jennifer's in there. Uh, I'm just scrolling up to the list where the where the chat room started earlier. Owen. Uh, Owen's in there. Yeah, yeah Owen. Uh, Tony, yes. I don't mention Tony. Uh, Jenny Parkinson's in there as well. Uh, we've got uh, some some chap called Don Sebastian in there. I don't know who he is. Yeah, Mash is in there. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, I know we've got some. We've got well, we've got loads of lovely people in. Safe the to say, it's a very very busy chat room. It certainly is. Yeah. So as uh, as we said just then, we have got uh, a very special guest joining us on the show uh, today, and uh, it's it's a voice and a name you've probably heard on some of the other uh, uh, well-established podcasts around the globe. Yes. Um, so why on earth he's, he's so why on earth to he's join us, I don't know. He thought anyway. he'd come and have some good old-fashioned <laughs> UK treatment, I think oh, that's what absolutely. it is, yeah. Absolutely. So welcome on to the show. Give a warm welcome to Don Sebastian, the pre-buy guy. Hey. Agree. Hello then, Don. How uh, And how are you on this? Uh, I'm guessing it's kind of afternoon where you are, Don. Oh, there I am. Hey, folks, how you doing? Thumbs <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> yep, it's, um, well, 2.30, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2.30. And I'm guessing it's probably a darn sight warmer than it is here in the UK, Don, mm-hmm. where we're experiencing temperatures of minus <laughs> two. Yeah. Oh, really? Is it that cold? Mm, it is that cold. Mm. Oh, dear. Okay, so uh, as per usual, apologies to anyone who's watching in the YouTube. We are running around about a 30-second delay on YouTube, so if you are watching the feed, we are about 30 seconds behind. Um, that's um, just to make life a bit easier for Don, really. So uh, yeah, what, you, what you're seeing there on your phone, by the way, Don, is, is a sort of delay yeah, it's feed, a delay, if you Don, see what I mean. So if, uh, okay, if, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I was wondering what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a slight, it's a slight delay. We, you get yeah. that with YouTube. So j- just, just go with the voice that you can hear in your head. In, in yeah, your headphones the voice, and, yeah. and respond to that. <laughs> okay, so so this is episode number 149, as Carlos said. We've got loads of news, uh, news story, great news stories this week, and mm. we've also got, in the last kind of quarter of an hour, we got a mm. segment sent to us from the legend that is yeah. Pilot Pip. Which which Matt is frantically rendering as we speak, so, <laughs> yeah, so which, hopefully that'll hopefully be, ready. be ready before yeah, we yeah, start. Absolutely, we, uh, yeah, you never need his segment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. But yeah, we we're, we're going to have some news stories to go through and then we're going to have a good old chit chat with uh, Don yep. about uh, the very interesting job that Don does. Very much so, yes. Yeah. So I was reading some of the blurb earlier. Well, it's a f- it looks like a fascinating thing to do. I know, for a living, I know. It? He's got every license under the sun. 
I think well, you could, I think you, know, you could fly the sun. Actually, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, and, and as we as I discovered during our, our pre-show chat that he was actually he's actually uh, he's he's able to fly an Airbus similar to what I'm used to as well. So <laughs> yeah, it just it just doesn't go in the air. It's a it's a kind of a road bus. But yeah, Dom was oh, a Dom well, a coach driver. You can get well. them in the air if it go, if something goes wrong horribly. You know, if you hit a, a you know humpback <laughs> bridge a bit fast or something like that. Speed bumps. Yeah, absolutely. exactly. <laughs> right, should we get on with the show? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to start the show then uh, this week as we do with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I am, yes. And hopefully you're ready there, Don. Yes, I'm ready. Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story then on the express.co.uk website. Good old express. Quality newspaper. (laughs) And uh, it's an airline we talk about frequently on the show, Norwegian Airlines, Norwegian Air. Uh, Their premium seats have been reviewed on their long-haul flights to New York. And Norwegian, uh, they do that kind of low-cost flight from the UK. You can go via Reykjavik uh, to New York, reasonably cheaply. Now, their premium class tickets on Norwegian Airways are worth every penny if only for 10 hours of undisturbed sleep. Um, Express.co.uk's Felicity Thistlethwaite reviewed the airline service from food to chair size. Uh, turning left at the aeroplane door is something many can only dream of. Yeah, that is definitely well, yes, yeah. <laughs> But with Norwegian, airline dreams can become reality. Dubbed the third largest low-cost carrier in Europe, it might uh, be budgeted on a certainly, well, it's no budget carrier really, but it does have some great frills. Uh, there are two types of premium tickets available on flights from London Gatwick to New York, the premium and the premium flex. Uh, the latter carries no fee for name changes or rebookings. Uh, Matt's got the put. He's got the pictures going to put on the screen while we're doing this, um, this bit because there's some great pictures of the interior cabins there. Uh, included in the price of a premium ticket isn't just uh, 15 more inches of leg space than a standard seat, which is a, uh, which is glorious at 30,000 feet. There's also two checked bags at 20 kilos of bag and the three-course dinner and a state-of-the-art touch, uh, t- touch screen entertainment system. Uh, passengers travelling with Norwegians uh, get off to a flying start with lounge access at the airport as well. Uh, if you're flying from Gatwick, it's a lounge with a fabulous views of the runway, an open bar, and a huge complimentary menu. Fast Wi-Fi means you can check in at la- any time at the last minute um, with, uh, from the comfort of the bar. Uh, when the time comes to board your flight, fast track access means no queuing at the gate as well. Uh, straight on board, like an A-list star, premium passengers are escorted to their seats before being offered a drink. Uh, the seats are in a 232 format on most aircraft, and this enables both passengers to relax into the long-haul flight with ease. Passengers are treated to a blanket with headphones as well before the flight begins. Uh, and the three-course meal is on the cards for every premium passenger, including an alcoholic beverage to settle you in. Uh, there's a wide selection of the latest movies and TV shows on the entertainment systems uh, well across the premium cabin. The seats recline back to almost horizontal with a footrest that pops out for complete relaxation. Uh, for those with long legs or plenty of hand luggage, there is a 1.16 metre or 46 inches of legroom. Uh, the rest of the flight is history. During my, uh, during the eight-hour flight, uh, the reviewer had uh, she slept for six hours going to New York, and then coming home, slept the whole way. Wow! 
Um, so, so what's included in the price of a premium ticket with uh, Norwegian the then? You fly on may have gigantic wings oh, hello. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry about that. Is that you, Matt? <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, I, there's a very nice video that I was lining up to, to play when you finished the story, okay. but um, something has, has just started playing randomly. And I've so with the, uh, with the ticket price for premium tickets then with Norwegian, you get uh, obviously lounge access, as I said, at the airport, fast track service through security. You get the, uh, the comfortable premium seats uh, with the 46 inches of legroom, two check bags at 20 kilos each. Now, that's good. Uh, yeah. Complimentary drinks before departure, pre-dinner drinks, uh, three-course dinner, including uh, drinks with your meal. You also get a breakfast. You get a USB charger and power outlet by your seat. Ooh. And uh, as the story said, state-of-the-art touchscreen entertainment systems as well. Uh, looking on Norwegian's site earlier today, they um, the, the prices are not, not actually that bad. They're a lot cheaper than some of the mainline airlines such as BA. Uh, and Virgin, uh, which go from uh, from the UK to uh, to New York. So, uh, is this uh, an airline you've uh, you're aware of, uh, Don, over there, the Norwegian there? I've heard of it. I heard, but there was one that was going to go uh, for sixty nine dollars to Europe from the states. I think it was Wow. You heard about yeah. that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, uh, yeah. We we featured them quite regularly on the week, show. Yeah. yeah. But I think you you definitely don't get any any frills at all with uh, Wow Don. There's no uh, absolutely nothing. You just get a seat <laughs> with nothing. Mm -hmm. Or you get a seat belt as well. But that's about that's about all you get with them. Yeah. But no, that's uh, that's quite nice. I quite like the interior cabins on that mat. The seats and that look very mm. very comfortable. Yeah. In fact, actually, as I say, I've got it working now. So if if I hit the um no, it's still doing something strange. Okay, uh, that's a shame. <laughs> it's uh, we've got we've we've got random things mm. just merrily playing, and one of them is in fact the Express site that's randomly playing itself. Well, take yourself over to the Express.co.uk website. Yeah. And you'll see the. Uh, you'll no, see I'm going to make it work. I don't care. It's it's going to happen now. I don't care if we put the entire show on hold <laughs> while I work out why um, it's <laughs> randomly playing this thing. I'm sorry. I don't. I, maybe I should have done this beforehand. Um, but uh, that's really strange. Why is that one playing? Oh, I love technology, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but okay. this, these, um, as they're saying in the chat room, discussing between themselves, he's on the seven eight seven Dreamliners. Yeah, yeah, it, well, uh, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. I can. He's do got it, it working. Yeah. There we go for you guys in the YouTube room. You can see. Uh, Oh, that looks comfortable. Yeah, oh, he's charging very his comfortable phone. Seat. Yeah, he charges he's phone. charging his phone. Yes. He's just ordered his drink using the tablet that's in front of him. 117 centimetres at legroom, they're boasting. Body clock friendly lighting. 17 comedies. 400, I don't know what that is. There's obviously something to do with the entertainment system. 20% kinder to the planet. 65% grander views. Yeah, that's a Dreamliner there in. You can see the Dreamliner. Fresher air, larger windows. And that's pretty much it. That's, that's, all, that's all I was doing. I'm so sorry. But a lovely picture there. There you go. There we go. Look at that. That's the old Dreamliner. The Dreamliner. Look at that. There we go. I, 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 I would say it was um, worth the, um, the hassle, but perhaps it wasn't. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Anyway. So moving on to yes, the okay. next story. And this one uh, is a uh, surprise, surprise. It's a, it's a Ryanair story because we do love to talk about Ryanair mm, on the show. Apparently so, yes. Uh, this is on the telegraph.co.uk website. And the headline is Ryanair Holidays suspended 
Now, this is unbelievable because we only covered this, what, a couple of weeks ago, I think, when we were talking yeah, about it. Yeah, it's literally probably a month, yep. a month ago we were talking about yes, this. Yes, absolutely. It says Ryanair holiday suspended after just two months um, of being launched. Ryanair has suspended its low-cost holiday package program, which said it would make it the Amazon of air travel. Just two months after launching, blaming illegal screen scrapping. What's that? Uh, Irish Airlines said in a statement that it will not allow any third-party software provider to screen scrape and unlawfully resell Ryanair's low fares. It added uh, that, that the, it terminated its agreement with its software provider. Screen scraping is the practice of lifting data from one website to produce a mirror of the original, allowing bookings to be made on a different site. Oh, I see. The airline said all existing Ryanair holidays bookings are secure and Ryanair is currently finalising an agreement with a new software provider who it expects to appoint very, very shortly. Ryanair apologised to its customers for any inconvenience caused. Its holidays programme was launched to much fanfare in December, so it was literally only last month, mm. uh, with the airline promising to become the Amazon of air travel by offering no-frill gateways. It hoped to disrupt the traditional package holiday market by building on extensive on its extensive network of low-cost flights around across Europe. Uh, the, the airline's Kenny Jacobs said that unveiling that at the unveiling customers have been paying too much for the holiday packages for years and more and more want to put their own packages together themselves. Spanish operator Logi Travel, which was working with Ryanair on its holidays, confirmed the agreement had ended but emphasised that it had not been using screen scraping. Hmm. Uh, we are connected to a global distribution system like Amadeus, as well as other air travel consolidators, which provide us with the product, its spokesman said. Logi Travel cannot operate without air product. Ryanair is the low-cost leader. But, of course, there are many other airlines, and we must show all available flights to our clients so they can make an informed decision when booking a holiday. Log Logi Travel does not make any revenue from air travel. We consider it a commodity and are only in intention is to give our clients across the board the best travel options available. Uh, Ryanair has long complained of screen scraping. In 2008, the airline was embroiled in a number of legal battles with several companies which it claimed were infringing copyright law and the terms and conditions of its website. The airline cancelled the bookings of a number of holidaymakers made through alternative sites. In 2015, the airline won the right to sue uh, travel agencies that used the software. Ryanair was in the news earlier this week when it threatened to scrap its second free bag policy, claiming that passengers are abusing the privilege and attempting to pack half the <laughs> contents of their home into them. Something seems to have amused you over there, Carlos. <laughs> yeah, just looking on the, on this story, Matt, it's got yep. um, <laughs> it's got uh, the Telegraph have got their thing here, their box here, what we think Ryanair holidays might entail. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's what they think the Ryanair holiday experience might be, and it says right. here that you'll get uh, cheese and ham paninis for breakfast, lunch, and dinner at five Absolutely euros fifty wrong with a that. pop. I don't have a problem with um, that at all. They, they, they think you'll also have a <laughs> one pound fee to use your ensuite bathroom. Right. Okay. Uh, fully upright beds hemmed in by immovable armrests. Right. Well, nothing wrong with that again. Retina burning blue and yellow plastic decor. <laughs> Again, lovely. <laughs> absolutely lovely. Uh, a €25 uh, euro charge for every suitcase and a 2% fee for credit card payments. Right, okay. Um, that on-time fanfare at ungoingly ungodly times of the morning. That, mm -hmm. that would be a hard one. Mm. Uh, 15 continuous minutes of sleep maximum. Mm. A stag do next door. 
Right. That's probably, yeah. Okay. Uh, scratch card slipped under the fl- uh, door. Oh. And the don't best get, one. Don't get me started on the scratch cards. Wake up calls from Michael O'Leary himself. Oh, that'd be nice. Wouldn't that be a treat? Now, is this, is this an airline you're familiar with, Don, out of interest? Have you, have you come across has Ryanair Don, much? Has Don ever flown Ryanair? <laughs> I no, don't. unfortunately I haven't. I haven't been going to uh, Europe to work much. Uh, the airplanes seem to not be moving over there very well. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, that, that, that's that's fair comment. Yeah. Probably, probably best. Probably best, Don. Yeah. yeah. Stick to stick to Southwest, Don. Yeah, They're far better. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. next story uh, on the Express.co.uk yep. site and the uh, headline uh, revealed um, this year. Uh, in we're only in January. Oh, this is what it was that? doing to me earlier. Yes, absolutely. Is that me? That one. It is you. Yes, yes, and it will be on that on that page. And I'm just going to click that switch there and there mute that. No, it's not muted. There we go. Why did why did I know it's auto playing? It's all right. Remain calm. Okay. Yeah. So Soldier anyway, on. getting yeah. back to the story. <laughs> so um, the revealed is the best long haul airline in the world. So they've had a mass um, look at all the long haul airlines, and uh, the best long haul airline for 2017 is. Qatar Airways, or Qatar, or Qatar, 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 however you say it. It's one of those ones that we say every time on the show. But I call it Qatar Airways. Anyway, they've scooped the uh, this year's Best Long Haul Airline Award at the 2017 Business Travel Awards. The flag carrier for Qatar was commended for comfort, convenience, and choice. Panel judges said Qatar always offered a fantastic long-haul network and an outstanding service and CSR program. Mm. Uh, But the big differential... Oh dear, I know. I'm still recovering from man flu. Once again, a very slick show this week. Uh, Is its uh, customer-centric approach to service. With some of the widest seats in the business class and even in the economy section, 3,000 entertainment options and onboard Wi-Fi. The facilities send text messages during flights as well. Qatar Airways outstripped their competition. Qatar Airways uh, country manager for the UK and Ireland, Marina Bronzetti, said that we are very proud to be presented with the Best Long Haul Airline Award. It's an amazing accolade in this market and it resonates worldwide. This award demonstrates our commitment to continuously provide our passengers with the best service through investment uh, we make in our fleet in our innovative products. The UK is a key market for Qatar Airways with 72 flights per week uh, into our hub at Doha, connecting passengers to over 150 destinations worldwide. I know because I've been to Doha, and it's a very busy airport. Uh, We're delighted that the key uh, people in the aviation industry, as well as many customers, have recognized us uh, this uh, this year as the leading player in long-haul travel. Uh, Qatar Airways is rapidly expanding with over a dozen new destinations added last year. Uh, and in 2017, Qatar Airways is adding a further destinations, including Auckland in New Zealand and Canberra in Australia. Uh, the airline currently operates six flights a day between London Heathrow and Hamad International Airport, Doha, providing connections to Qatar Airways' global network. From June 2017 this year, it will also add daily non-stop flights between Dublin and Doha. Oh, there we go, mate. You can go to Doha if you like. Oh, lovely. Pro- That'll be nice. <laughs> uh, there have been a number of enhancements recently added to further elevate the passenger experience with new amenity kits and business class stocked with products from the Italian designer luggage brand 
brick and olive oil lifestyle brand Castello Monte Vibano Vecchio. Blimey, there's a mouthful there. Uh, there's also children's entertainment kits created by toy maker Hasbro for the airline's younger passengers. Well, they really have pulled out all the stops, Qatar, uh, yeah. with uh, with their service. I'm not surprised. I mean, I've flown on them once, and they are um, mm. they are very good. They're very up there with uh, with all the best, really. But uh, yeah. they've they've pipped everyone else to the post. Well, there we are. It's a, but it, I mean, it's a big brand, isn't it? I mean, it's uh, you mm. know, if any if anyone can be competitive, then it's them, really, isn't it? Mm. Oh, definitely. So moving on to the next story, Matt. Yep. This one is for you. Yes. And this is on the CNN Money website, which is another one of the websites that was causing me problems when I was trying to play that clip earlier. But anyway, this is, uh, say, CNN Mo- Money, and the headline is Norwegian leapfrogs, leapfrog, sorry, southwest as south. It's catching clearly. Norwegian leapfrogs southwest as first 737 Max. Operator, Oh, that's exciting. Uh, Norwegian Air Shuttle said that it will be the first to take delivery of Boeing's new 737 MAX airliner, jumping ahead of Southwest Airlines, the carrier confirmed on Thursday. Being the first to take possession of the new jetliner is a sign of the fast-growing carrier's increasing stature amongst the world's airlines. Norwegian will now be the first airline to take delivery of the Boeing 737 MAX, and we will be the first airline in the world to operate this brand-new aircraft type an airline spokesman said in an email. Norwegian said that it will take delivery of the first of its MAX jets in May and then it will take a little time before it enters operation, the spokesman said. The airline has ordered 100 of the jets, but um, being the first comes with added challenges as the first operator typically works out early kinks of a new design. When Norwegian first took uh, its 787 Dreamliner back in 2013, its early operators were repeatedly disrupted by reliability issues with the enhanced long-range liner. Uh, Norwegian plans to use the single R 737 MAX with its increased range to fly between Europe and smaller cities in the US. The low-cost airline's long-haul operations from Europe are flown today with larger 787 Dreamliners. Uh, the airline has been at the centre of a fierce controversy in the US uh, with US airlines and their labour unions over the Department of Transportation's approval of the carrier's ability to fly from Ireland to the US. The unions claim Norwegian will undercut wages for the US-based pilots and cabin crews uh, or less um, or hire less expensive non-US crews while flying to America. Oh dear, Mr. Trump won't like that. Uh, Southwest Airlines uh, was the first carrier to place a firm order for Boeing's updated single-aisle jet back in December 2011 as and has long expected to take the first jet from the plane maker. Southwest said Thursday uh, that it won't take its first MAX until July and it will start flying passengers on the 1st of October. Boeing's chief executive Dennis Muhlenberg said uh, on Wednesday that the MAX which has been in testing since January 2016, would deliver during the second quarter, but did not say which airline would take the jet first. Southwest has faced obstacles getting the MAX into its fleet, first facing a now settled labour dispute with its pilots over pay on the aircraft and the compatibility of the fourth generation aircraft into all its Boeing 737 fleet. Southwest is the largest operator of 737 jets in the world and was the first airline 
uh, the last time Boeing introduced a new generation of workhorse airliner back in 1997. Boeing holds orders for more than 3,400 737 MAX jets which feature a pair of new engines and aerodynamic updates to cut fuel consumption by up to 14%. I was just looking on the uh Mike up there. I was just yeah, looking on the uh <laughs> the Boeing or the uh, the uh, Boeing site to see what the orders were for the 737 Max. Mm. That's staggering. Uh up to the end of December uh 2016. Yeah. So it's only last month. Yeah. Boeing had got orders on the books for the 737 Max mm. totaling 3606 aircraft. Mm. That is well. a heck of a lot of aircraft. It is. Um, their biggest amount of orders came in 2012 when they uh, first sort of, sort of put the uh, the idea up for um, you know the aircraft itself. Mm. But yeah. wow, that's a lot of aircraft. It is. Boeing are yeah. going to be very busy there this year. Obviously, getting these aircraft out, uh, especially to Norwegian. Busy times. Being <laughs> the launch busy customer. To, yeah. Busy times. Yeah. Now we we missed um, at Don at Farnborough this year. We missed the seven three seven Max. They uh, had one of those at Farnborough. We missed that. Have you? Obviously, being over there in the U.S., have you had a chance to see the aircraft at all, Don, the uh, 737 MAX? No, I, I haven't. Uh, I'm involved in used, broken airplanes. <laughs> 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 so if they're too new, I'm not kind of interested in no, it. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's no, there's no money to be had in new ones unless you're building them, I suppose. But uh, yeah, It's, it's probably, yeah. Like, probably like new cars. You know, you, you pay £10,000 for a new car. Yeah. The time you've driven it off the forecourt... Yes, it's lost £4,000. It's, <laughs> it's worth, yes, yeah. worth £6,000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, so the next story moving on is on the foxnews.com website. And the headline uh, for our U.S. Uh, listeners, the headline, American Airlines are ditching backseat monitors in really? their new aircraft. Yeah, oh yeah. So if you're planning to uh, fly American Airlines soon, make sure you take your tablet and your laptop with you and charge it up. The airline will be ditching the seatback monitors used for in-flight movies and entertainment on their new Boeing 737 MAX aircraft, set to start flying later this year. Every customer with a phone, tablet or laptop will be able to watch free movies and TV shows from the extensive onboard library as well as free live television channels, all without purchasing an in-flight internet connection. Uh, the airline explained in a memo uh, distributed to employees on January the 24th. Uh, United Airlines previously made a similar decision to pass on the seatback screens in their new Boeing 737 and Airbus aircraft. According to the Star-Telegram, American Airlines will keep the seatback screens on their wide-bodied aircraft such as the 777, 787 and A330s used on international routes, but the Fort Worth-based carrier is reconsidering the in-flight video services for its flights that fly domestically. The news comes after a 2016 announcement that the airline will be improving its in-flight internet connect uh, connections to quicker satellite-based options and better Wi-Fi speeds will allow passengers to stream video content from providers such as Amazon or Netflix. To keep those private tablets and mobile devices running, the airline says it also plans to install power outlets at every seat on 50% of its domestic mm -hmm. narrowbody aircraft before the end of 2018. While the airlines well, will start uh, making the changes effective immediately, many flyers won't see the differences right away. American expects to obtain four Boeing 737 MAX aircraft without the backseat TVs They're this year. They're very popular, these 737 MAXs, oh, yeah. yeah. But the airline is also expecting a f uh, 40 new Boeing 737 and Airbus A321 aircraft, which will have backseat screens and power outlets. Mm. 
So there we go. So I mean, I, I'm not. This I'm, is a weight saving thing, man. Because the amount of weight that these uh, seat back monitors uh, have, you've also got all those big, the big, uh, like the the processor units they yeah, have, which yeah. power all the. Mm -hmm. All the uh, TVs well, I mean, the infrastructure stuff. is already there for for having uh, charging facilities, obviously, at all mm. the seats, because because obviously, you know, power is already supplying is being supplied to these monitors. But I can see a lot of airlines going. I mean, I think I said to you before, like it must be a good year ago now, saying I'm surprised that there aren't airlines doing, like, you know, like where you've got like a like a an, an onboard Netflix, if you like, and you just use your tablet. Everybody carries tablets now, don't they? I mean, everybody goes on holiday with a tablet or a phone that can play videos or. or or a laptop or whatever, you know, it, it seems seems daft. You know, it's um, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? I I, I think I think everybody will do it, ditch the uh, the uh, TV in the back of the. I'm I'm with Jonathan Warner in the chat room yeah. on this one, uh, yeah, and that's uh, t you know, take your tablet with your podcasts on and yes. look out the window. Yes, yeah. Well, well, there is that. Yeah, yeah. You could sort of yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, not. And I'm personally not so keen uh, for reasons that we've discussed before. Uh, <laughs> no, because Matt's got a long haul flight coming up in oh, May to no, Pittsburgh. No, no. Stop. Stop frightening me, please. It's. Uh, <laughs> I'm not quite sure I'm going to cope with that all yet. It's uh, a time for another chat with Captain Al, I think. But. Uh, You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, I'm sure. You'll be absolutely sure. fine. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's uh, any, any views, Don, on this on the sort of the in-flight um, entertainment side of things? Are you that bothered by in-flight entertainment, Don? No, I'm not. I'm working when I'm on an airline. True. Oh, there's yeah. so much work to do. Yeah. <laughs> Going to an airplane, trying to figure out what the airplane is and what's wrong with it in the records. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. I don't yeah. get time for any entertainment. <laughs> don't get time to enjoy it either. I don't suppose. Yeah. Oh dear. Okay, so the next story. Yes, okay, Moving the next on. story. That would be me then, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, okay, all right. But see, I'm paying attention. I know, you're yeah. <laughs> Apparently, um, uh, right, the business standard is thanking me for visiting. Oh, continue to cite. Hang on. Uh, no, it still won't let me. No, that won't work. You're going to have to skip that one because that's got one of those hideous um, okay. ad blockery things. So right. let's move on okay. to the next one. So I'll tell you what, why don't I insert in there um, the story that... Uh, yeah, do that, yeah. Heard. Do that. That sounds like a plan, doesn't it? So um, we'll go straight to... Uh, the story that Nev sent us over yeah, earlier absolutely. today. Yeah, it is. And this is on the BBC website. And the headline is BA Cabin Crew to Stage Six Days of Strikes overpay this is very very bad news i noticed that uh, i thought they were gonna they weren't gonna strike and then they were gonna strike and then they weren't gonna strike well i, I think the strike has always been on but they did decide i think in the end to cancel it over the festive period I, I think the strike has always been on the cards but um anyway the headline says british airways cabin crew are to stage a further six days of strikes in february in a dispute over pay according to the union unite uh, the latest strikes will begin on the 5th of February, that's Sunday the 5th of February. BA cabin crew so far have staged two stoppages, resulting in the cancellation of flights. Unite also criticised BA for spending money on chartering air, uh, aircraft to cover the striking cabin crew rather than resolving the problem. In a letter sent to BA uh, British Airways on Wednesday, Unite representatives urged BA to take a different route, saying your reluctance to offer a reasonable pay deal to our members yet um, spend uh, what we believe is now reaching millions of pounds in trying to quash strike action suggests money uh, is available and that it's a question of ideology. Uh, the proposed strike will begin on the 5th of February and run until Saturday the 11th. Oh, it's a long old one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, run until the Saturday the 11th of February but will exclude the Wednesday. 
Okay. Uh, BA said in a statement, we have flown all customers to their destinations during the previous strikes by Mixed Fleet Unite, and we will ensure that this happens again. We will publish more details on Tuesday the 31st of January once we've finalised our contingency plans in relation to the strikes called for the fire. For the, from the 5th to the 7th of February. On Thursday, we will publish more details in relation to the second strike period, which runs from the 9th to the 11th of February. Our pay offer for mixed fleet crew is consistent with deals agreed with Unite for other British Airways colleagues. It also reflects pay awards given by other companies in the UK and will ensure that rewards for mixed fleet remain in line with those for cabin crew at our airline competitors. Hmm. I'm just reading in a chat room. Uh, I, I think I've got a feeling Nev is actually trying to fly away during um, during one of these strike things. So uh, keep, yeah, Nev, keep us up to date with it, Nev. Please. Nev has just said actually in a chat room, Matt. He's uh, just saying that uh, Titan Airways yeah. are going to be covering the flights that uh, are, are kind of disrupted okay. because of the strikes. Right. Uh, Titan Airways are uh, a kind of charter. Uh, air, yeah. One of these charter companies that where you can ring yeah, up you and can say, "I want a plane." Help, I'm panicking. Yes, hey, I, I, I need a, I need an aircraft. I need a crew. I need yeah. you know need you to be yeah, here. I need you to be here an hour ago. Yes, and uh, they'll do it. They've um, Titan yeah. have actually got quite a, quite a big fleet. Uh, mostly mm. Boeing. They've got the seven three seven three hundreds, A three twenties, seven five sevens, A three twenty ones, and Boeing seven six seven three hundred ERs as well. Right. Titan, but they're going to cover. The uh, the shortfall. I mean, I suppose, from a customer point of view, I'm, you know, obviously, if people are striking, they're striking for a reason, and obviously, we don't know all the ins and outs and and that, so that's fine. But uh, from a customer point of view, as long as someone is covering the route, I suppose, as a customer, you don't mind mm. as long as you're not being, you know, in unduly inconvenienced. Do you get much strike action in the states, Don? I mean, it seems to be a very popular pastime here in the UK. Well, I'm in, I'm in general aviation, and there's no strikes in general no. aviation no. that I know of. But, uh, of course, the airlines, uh, I haven't heard of an airline strike in a long time yeah. over here. Yeah. yeah, it does seem to be a British pastime. It seems to be yeah. one of the hobbies that we enjoy immensely, isn't it, going on strike? I don't know quite why. I think <laughs> I should start that. Well, between us and the French, yeah. I mean, you know, air traffic control, in, the French air traffic control is usually the, the most disruptive, isn't it? But... Uh, Anyway, sticking with BA, we've got sticking another. With BA, yeah, absolutely. We've got another story, uh, um, especially for for Nev, because yes. obviously Nev is uh, yeah. sponsored by BA. Not quite right. Yes, and uh, this is on the Sun <laughs> news uh, web website, the Sun.co.uk, Matt's favourite uh, newspaper. And oh, it's, the, a quite, uh, it's, it's a great, it's a great <laughs> thing to wrap your chips up with. I tell you, it's. Uh, you know. So the headline, British Unfairways. Oh. Uh, British Airways customers anger as airline struggles to serve entire flights after scrapping free food and charging for M&S meals. Marks and Spencer's meals? Mm. Quality. Blimey. Okay, so frustrated <laughs> BA passengers were going hungry as the flagship airline struggles to serve an entire flight with food and drink after scrapping its free in-flight meal service. Two weeks after the airline began to charge for snacks on short-haul flights, passengers have flooded the airline with complaints, some complaining that half of people on their flights are not even being offered any food before landing. One passenger, Simon Moxie, said he'd been on two flights with BA this month, including one as recently as Monday, and noticed staff had been unable to serve the entire aircraft. He told The Sun online that two, on the two flights recently to Paris, Charles de Gaulle and Paris Orly, there was not enough time for anyone who wanted food and drink to be served. And he thought that only half the economy uh, section uh, missed out at least. 
He said that uh, with passengers unable to pay using contactless card process, the, uh, it was also slowed even further down by staff, waiting for chip and pin machines to work. Yeah. Uh, but he was not the only passenger left disappointed by the change at seas. Passengers now charged for M&S food rather than being given a complimentary drink. So M&S, for anyone who doesn't know what uh, M&S is, it's Marks & Spencers. It's a very nice department store here in the UK that uh, produces very nice food. It's very posh food. It's the kind of food that you buy when uh, when you're when you've won various lotteries and stuff. <laughs> Stop it! It's not that bad. Okay. <laughs> so uh, Paul uh, Paul Nicholson, who said he was a frequent business traveller and a gold card holder, said that serving the serving process on his flight from Glasgow to Heathrow on Monday was a joke. He said it took 20 minutes to serve the first five rows of people, and only half he uh, had asked for food. The main issue I have is that BA has become a bucket carrier. No reduction on flight ticket costs, but a lousy service. The airline has apologised to customers who flag complaints on social media sites, saying that they have had one or two teething problems with the service. Now, I read this story earlier when I found it. I'm going to interrupt you immediately because I know what they need to do. What they need to do is they need to contact Harpjet, they need to contact Owen, and they need uh, need Owen to come and show them how it how to run, you know, an impossible amount of food out, you know, lukewarm paninis, etc., uh, out to everyone in a, in a, a shockingly, alarmingly speedy amount of time. I, the, the, my, my, my beef with this Although, although Nev actually says that, sorry, from um, Gatwick to Jersey, uh, that sector on Wednesday, which is only a 35-minute flight, it all worked a treat. So it may have just been a glitch. Uh, I know. It, it, it's a bit annoying. I, you know, I've got nothing but praise for, for most cabin crew. They do a damn good job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, on short-haul flights where you're only in the air for an hour or maybe an hour and a half, I mean, do you really need to be having... F- I mean, drink, fair enough. But do you really need a, a massive four-course meal or something served to you for such a short flight? <laughs> Most people, including myself, when I fly, tend to have food and drink before I fly. Yes, or, I, I know I do. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's different if you're flying a long-haul flight for not eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve hours. But then on a, on a long-haul flight, you do tend to get in-flight meals for, included, yeah, included, don't you? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I must say, I suppose it, it's one of those when it's in-flight meals because obviously it's all being kept in the cabinets and stuff already. So yeah. it is just a case of literally, you know, doling it out, if you like, as yeah. where this is, uh, you know, charging people for things, and it, and it is, I'm afraid, a model. I'm sorry to say that Harpjet and, and Ryanair and all the other, um, you know, low-cost airlines are all very, very good at doing in a short period of time because if they don't turn them out fast enough, then they don't, they don't you know, subsidise the cost of the flight, which is essentially what they're doing, mm. isn't it? But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just... It's we need, we need, we, what yeah. we need, uh, really, is for, for oh, when Nev's Nev has his next flight <laughs> to send us some feedback. <laughs> yeah, Nev says that it doesn't affect me because I'm always in business. Oh. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Very good, Nev. Very good. Anyway, so moving on to the next story, okay, um, yes. which uh, is uh, for <coughs> it's, you, it's for me. It's a lovely story. No, it's not a lovely it's story. It's such a, a lovely story. story. It is an absolutely awful story, and you know why, because I'm not very keen on, this on story public shows is, of affection. This story is all pink and fluffy. It is, yes, absolutely. So this is The Telegraph. It's uh, the... Uh, the Telegraph uh, newspaper, telegraph.co.uk, is the website. And the headline is, Glasgow Airport introduces controversial controversial kiss-and-drop parking charges. Now, this is slightly controversial. There's a fascinating sign that I'm just going to pop up for those of you who are watching on YouTube. And it basically says, kiss and goodbye. No kisses above three minutes. <laughs> 
Three minutes, that's one heck of a kiss. Uh, anyway. It's more than I give Gemma. On a week. Far, far too much information. Thanks for sharing. Glasgow Airport has, introdu- has invited the ire of travellers after introducing a kiss and drop charge of £2 for anyone ferrying friends or family to the terminal entrance. The levy is expected to be introduced at the end of April when a new multi-million pound pick up and drop facility opens at the Scottish airport motorists staying up to 10 minutes will have to pay two pounds a spokesman for the airport said that anyone staying longer would be subject to an incremental charge pick up charges two pounds for 10 minutes or three pounds for 20 have been in place at the airport uh, the UK's eighth busiest since 2010 the airport handles 9.2 million passengers a year a petition against the fee has already been launched uh, collecting nearly 600 sign- signatures in 24 hours John Sim who started the petition accused the airport of implementing a money making scheme now <laughs> I've got a couple of issues with this. I mean, I'm not keen on... It's, 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 the only reason I'm not keen, because as, as everybody knows, my mum has sort of, you know, mobility issues. And so if I take her, and I'm not flying with her, which doesn't happen very often these days, but if she's going away, um, I want to try and drop her as close to the airport as I possibly can. Um, and I, the last time I dropped her off at Stansted, it cost me nearly £10. By the time I got the case out, and you just want to make sure that she gets to the door and that she's pointed in the right direction, etc. You know, it, it's uh, when when I go on my own, it's fine because I do what you're supposed to do, which is park in the long hall, and because uh, you can park in the long hall one for free, can't you? For mm. for I think uh, so many hours, and then you jump on the bus, go to the terminal, and you know it's all cheap and cheap and cheerful. You know, and like when people drop if people are dropping you off at the airport, and they go to the long long stay car park, and they can go in and out, and there's no fees, but. I don't know. So anyway, at a glance, the kiss and jock charges around the country. Uh, Glasgow is £2 for 10 minutes. Uh, That's a cost of 20 pence per minute. Um, Luton is £3 for 10 minutes. That's 30p. Heathrow is £3.80 for 30 minutes. Mm. Um, That's not too bad, actually. Gatwick is £3.50 for 30 minutes. Manchester Terminal won £4 for 30 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, yeah, I mean, you get, uh, I don't know. Birmingham's actually the cheapest. So if you want to go and uh, kiss your uh, loved one goodbye from an airport in the UK, take them to Birmingham Airport, where it'll cost you just (laughs) one... Even if their flight isn't going from Birmingham. Even if their flight's not going from Birmingham (laughs) Airport, take them to Birmingham Airport in the UK, where it'll just cost you a pound for 10 minutes. Right, Uh, yeah, so, wow, okay. I mean... (laughs) Right. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, I, I, uh, this this whole story is making me feel terribly uncomfortable because you, you know I'm not. I got good. something for that one. Oh, have you? Oh, hello. Go on. <laughs> well, I live near Roy Dorham International Airport in the middle of North Carolina, and you get to park free for a whole hour there. Free. <laughs> wow. And after that, they charge you. Right. Oh, and Usually, I only pay six dollars a day, and the yes. lot I I park in. That is that is a long that kiss. Is so that is cheap. a long kiss, absolutely. That yeah. your your parking is obviously yeah. way way cheaper than that. Uh, t- Tony S is saying that Newcastle is only a pound. He thinks really, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's all very good. Um, yeah, as I say, I'm I'm not big on public shows of affection. I don't mind handshakes. I'll, I'll tolerate that. You you finished trashing Sorry, the studio just, there. Just, just Have you broken right. everything? <laughs> everything all right there? Yeah. So the next story moving on <laughs> yes, is on the. Uh, I melt. This yeah. is on the airline geek. The airline geeks 
uh, com website. Uh, not to be confused with the Airplane Geeks, uh, another indeed. fantastic podcast. Yes. Uh, so the AirlineGeeks.com for this story, the headline, uh, British Airways, EasyJet and Virgin Atlantic complete their terminal relocations at London Gatwick Airport. So for those of you guys and girls who fly from London Gatwick here in the UK, on Wednesday this week, the two major carriers uh, from London Gatwick switched terminals and... Uh, um, British Airways has moved their operations from North Terminal to the South Terminal, while EasyJet's operations were consolidated into the North Terminal. Uh, Virgin Atlantic also moved their flights uh, to the North Terminal as well. The move was announced in January last year and was originally planned to take place in November. However, the deal was delayed until now in order to prevent uh, disruptions during the holiday season. The airport authority, which came up with the plan along with EasyJet, believes all the airlines involved will see the benefit. EasyJet now has all their operations in one place, lowering confusion for passengers and lowering costs of maintaining separate facilities for staff. BA passengers will feel the relief in an often crowded check-in and security area, and Virgin and EasyJet have also uh, differential peak times, meaning that each airline won't get in the way of each other's operations. EasyJet currently accounts for half the traffic at Gatwick. Blimey. Traffic has seen a recent increase at the airport with many low-cost and foreign carriers choosing Gatwick over the more expensive and restricted Heathrow. Uh, The airport is the busiest single runway airport in the world, seeing over 43 million people travel through the airport last year. Recently, Heathrow was picked over Gatwick for expansion, with a third runway at Gatwick rejected. This is unlikely to stem growth at the airport as passenger numbers continue to increase. Uh, BA recently announced the expansion at the second busiest airport in the UK with flights to Fort Lauderdale and Oakland. The airport said that the moves were staggered over a 72-hour period in order to ensure seamless relocation for all the carriers. Uh, During the transition period, airlines operate on a reduced flight schedule to lessen the move's operational burdens. Now, I know, I've flown with uh, EasyJet from uh, Gatwick, so I know what mm. uh, what a bit of a pain it was um, with the check-in areas and stuff yeah. there. Um, um, but I haven't flown with BA from mm. Gatwick, but um, no, it's nice that they're all uh, all been relocated, and uh, I bet that was a, um, a interesting move. Uh-oh, Captain Jeff's just arrived in the chat oh, room. Oh, Captain Jeff's Brace in the yourself, chat room. Brace yourself, everyone's. We have proper royalty in the chat room. Okay, yeah. mind your P's and Q's, guys uh, and Actually, I, I, going slightly, I'm sorry to go slightly off topic, going back to the story we were talking about earlier, and they were saying that, uh, um, uh, Pip was saying that uh, it, it's free to, to drop off and pick up at Heathrow. Uh, not that this is relevant to anyone other than me, but in a coach, it is free to drop off your passengers at either terminals 2, 3, 4 and 5. But to collect your passengers, uh, they charge you £27.90 for a permit. That's a random price. It is a random price. Uh, for a permit to take the coach uh, onto, the, onto the car park thing to actually uh, pick them up. And you're not, it's, it's not like you're paying for a parking, you know, like to, to park up for a little while because they won't allow you in... Like and you're not allowed in 15 minutes before the the flight is due to land and and all this kind of thing. It's uh, it's uh, wow. and you think really you know in the in the age of trying to be green you know groups of people arranging to be collected by coach you'd think they'd be encouraging people to do that but. Um, 
Yes. So the last story for yep. uh, this is Sorry. this is for me. Okay. Is this me or you? Uh, no, it's me. It's you. Yes. So the last story for Matt this week. Um, it's uh, it's a story I picked because of the location because mm-hmm. it's somewhere that we're going in May in this year. T- oh, is it right? So Pittsburgh International Airport named 2017 Airport of the Year. Well, that's mm. very exciting. Um, so this is airport. Uh, yep. Try that again. Air Transport World has ranked various aspects of the industry for 43 years, but added the best airport category only four years ago. Um, It's uh, Pittsburgh uh, is the first US airport to win after Hong Kong International, Heathrow and Singapore Shanghai were previously honoured. The magazine cited the airport's gains in air service and community engagement in bestowing the honour. Pittsburgh International now serves 68 non-stop destinations up up from 37 in um, 2014 and has added new carriers including... uh, I want to say Allegiant Allegiant Frontier and Southern Airways along with new flights from existing carriers Southwest Delta and JetBlue the year 2016 uh, the year 2016 was the airport's busiest since uh, 2008 with more than 8.3 million passengers that's a very busy little airport there's a few and And I presume that's where we're flying into is it that's where we're flying into in May so we're flying we're flying into Yep. The air, the 2017 airport, airport of, of the, the year. year. Okay. Have you ever flown into um, Pittsburgh, Don? Oh, about yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, but it was in a private jet, so <laughs> I didn't go on the airlines there. Very, very civilized. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we're, we're uh, so hopefully we're going to meet loads of interesting people there in uh, in May this year at the air show. That'll be great. I'm looking forward to that this year. Yeah, very much so. So that's where we bring the news segment of the show to a close. Yeah. So as uh, as you've all seen in the chat room, as you've all seen on the YouTube, you'll know that we have obviously got a very special guest joining us on the we show have. today. Yes. And um, yeah, Don, Sebastian, um, just welcome again onto the show. Thanks for joining us uh, this evening or this afternoon where you are. It's uh, nice to nice to get you on the show finally. After uh, we've been trying for a little while anyway to get you on the show. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I'm uh, kind of between the chat room and your show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's quite right. Uh, yeah. you, you can leave the chat room now. We'll we'll look after those guys. We'll look after those guys. So Don, tell us tell us a bit about yourself, then Don. Tell us what it is um, what it is you, you you do. What what is the the job that you do? Well, I guess you could say I do airplanes. <laughs> oh. uh, basically, I'm a, you know as you know I'm a pilot and aircraft mechanic and flight instructor and. Uh, you know, basically, I uh, check out used airplanes, uh, do flight tests and uh, pre-purchase inspections. Uh, and uh, we just started actually a website, and the chat room was lucky enough now to get it. I just put it in there. If you put it on your website, uh, on your notes, I appreciate it. Um, Airplaneprebuy.com. And uh, I met up with a, a young Marine um, who was uh, stationed on an aircraft carrier. He's a pilot and a, uh, uh, an A&P mechanic, which is a fully rated technician in the United States. And um, he was a, uh, a plane captain. You know what a plane captain is? No. <laughs> I never heard of it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if you're on an aircraft carrier and you're a plane captain, you're in charge of that airplane. 
and until it's released to the launching crew. And if you're on the ground, uh, you're in charge of it until you salute, then the pilot can take off. So it was quite interesting. He worked the night shift, which is probably one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. And uh, now, uh, if you want to hear his story, uh, we have a, uh, a podcast that came out about two weeks ago, episode one, and he gives you his uh, story about uh, how dangerous it is working on an aircraft carrier. But what we do is uh, uh, we help people buy airplanes and find out what's wrong with them before they buy them. Uh, we have a new service now called the virtual pre-buy where just like we're on Skype, uh, we get on Skype with the uh, owner or if we can't, the owner's not there, the pilot or the, or the um, somebody we hire at the airport uh, to put their smartphone in their breast pocket and we can see everything they're doing and so can the buyer and so can the buyer's mechanic. Wow. So you have three mechanics looking at this airplane and we get a pretty good look at it. And then um, we get the logbooks and we check with the uh, government files about the airplane. And we are making a score quiz before we even go see the airplane. So then the buyer can decide uh, whether or not he wants to send one of us uh, to do the pre-purchase inspection. And it always starts off with a flight test. Uh, we do all kinds of airplanes. And last year, I... I did a Bombardier 605. Uh, or, a, or a Bombardier, as I like Matt, to say. Matt, Matt likes <laughs> to call them Bombardiers. Yeah, it came from China. Yeah, and, oh, wow. um, <laughs> yeah it was a Chinese airplane, so that was kind of interesting. Um, and then, um, you know, we did Cessna 172s and uh, Citation jets. Actually, I, I did a pre-buy on uh, a famous NASCAR driver, uh, wow. Daryl Waltrip his uh, citation jet when he was selling it and that was interesting um so that's what we do um we uh help people buy used airplanes Fantastic. So, so so sort of tell it sort of like an average kind of day then uh don so say I, i'm guessing uh, you know i'm a millionaire i've got this uh this i don't know uh, a learjet that i kind of i like uh, i've got the money here waiting to buy it it's used so tell us sort of a, a, a description really of how, how it happened. I, I would call you and say, you know, how would it, how would it go, go about, Don? Well, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the weird jets I did recently, I, I went to Tucson, Arizona, uh, where the weird jet, uh, that type of weird jet was getting checked out by the weird jet, you know, by their company. And um, I found out things that, <laughs> the company didn't know about wrong with the airplane. Uh, but basically, uh, people call us up for about a 30-minute chat, get a meeting of minds, see where the customer is, see how much he knows about airplanes, what kind of airplanes he had in the past, uh, what kind of operating costs uh, he thinks the airplane's going to be. And he always asked me, well, is this a good buy? <laughs> and I said, well, <laughs> I don't know yet <laughs> uh, because we're going to have to find out about this airplane. So I'll do a day's office work and uh, get the FAA files on the airplane, see if it had any major damage history. And then I get the lowdown on all the alterations on the airplane, all the avionics updates and whatnot. And I go over that. I start a squawk list. And then I call up um, CAMP, or one computer aircraft maintenance uh, program that the airplane's on, and I get permission from the owner or operator uh, to let me see the, the computerized files on the airplane because there could be a part in that engine that's going to expire shortly 
and you don't have to take the whole engine apart to get to it. So that's not a good deal. <laughs> that could cost 150000 or more. Wow. <laughs> so we find out this before we get too far involved with the airplane. And once we have our heads together, and usually the buyer renegotiates the price before I go, because we have a squat quiz running here. <laughs> and yeah. uh, the first thing I do when I get to the airplane is just get together with the crew and do a, a flight instructor briefing, because we're going to do an unusual type of flight. It's called a flight test, maximum performance, maximum altitude. Uh, sometimes we go to 51,000 feet. Wow. And, and um, yeah, and up there, it is so cold <laughs> outside. It better be warm <laughs> inside. <laughs> That's one thing I'm checking. Mm. But one time, I, I heard an unusual noise coming from the back of the airplane, and I uh, kind of put my microphone around because uh, I carry a vibration sensor and a, a decimal sound meter. <laughs> you know, these people expect a really nice airplane. It's quiet also. And uh, so anyway, my microphone, I put it back against the rear bulkhead, and I noticed on the left side there was an unusual noise. So we got on the ground, and we went through about a 10-hour maintenance test to get into that part of the airplane, and we found a crack in the rear pressure bulkhead. No and so way. that was going to be bad if that stayed there. But I... I'm out of the box type of guy. I'm thinking. I, I'm dealing with an old airplane. They don't write books on, on old airplanes. No. They wrote the book when the plane was new. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's so the, the aircraft that you, you you kind of check then, Don. I mean, do you go from kind of the the what's the, the sort of smallest up to the largest aircraft that you've you've been asked to check out? Well, the smallest one I think was twelve thousand dollars, <laughs> and wow. it was local, so I could drive over to it. It was a Grumman American Yankee, they call it, AA one A, and uh, two passenger, a little airplane, and then the most expensive. Well, last year I did this, uh, what fifteen million dollar airplane. It wow. was like wow. seven years old. Yeah, and then. Uh, I'm kind of started working right now on a Boeing 737-300. That's I have the records. Oh. Yeah, I'm getting into that. I, I did the Palace Casinos uh, Boeing 727. Yeah. Uh, I did a pre-buy on that, and uh, I just got there. And day two, I, I found out that the airplane came from uh, Braniff Airlines, which was a South American carrier, mm. and it never went to Europe. And I said... What are you guys going to use this airplane for? And they said, oh, to pick up the high rollers over in Europe. And this was like October 1999. And I said, do you realize in the year 2000, uh, this airplane is banned from Europe? <laughs> and they said, well, we got silences on it. And the hush On kits. the engines. Mm. Hush kit, yeah. Right, yeah. I said, that doesn't count unless your grandfather's. What? <laughs> wow. So they had to stop what they were doing, put the plane back together get a foreign crew, and they went over and landed at all the European airports to get grandfathered in. So, wow. <laughs> better that than find out later. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and, of course, and, and that is, of course, what, yes, they're, what they're paying for, isn't it? I mean, they're, you know, you're buying an aircraft or whatever, not necessarily for them to fly themselves, but, you know, they're, they're buying an aircraft, and this is really where the pre-buy guys come in, isn't it? Because uh, you're paying, if you like, that your service essentially is your many years of experience. That's right. Well, the more expensive the airplane, you know, we, we have uh, real businessmen, you know, that will call us up and not just ask the pilot. Yeah. You know, uh, because the pilot, you know, is a very competent pilot, but 
there is so many things involved with these old airplanes and used airplanes. And uh, you take the average guy who owns a couple of airplanes. Uh, he's the kind of guy that calls us up because he realizes what it costs after you buy it. <laughs> and the only time you get free maintenance on a, an airplane is before you buy it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, the, so the, the, the part of the, the, the inspection process that you do, Dom, we'll have a quick question. We'll have some more questions from the chat room in a minute because we've got loads of questions in there. But uh, some of the inspection work you do, Don, do you, do you, uh, is, it, is it fairly clean work or do you have to really get in, in, you know, in, into the interior, into the, the insides of the aircraft, the engines and the oily parts, the greasy parts, the, the, the kind of bits you, you don't really want to be dipping into? Well, you know, some of these inspections on these jet airplanes take 6,000 hours of man hours. <laughs> so I'm uh, getting into 6,000 hours uh, to do a pre-buy. So my job is, of course, I, before the flight, I not only check the oils and hydraulic levels and mm. nitrogen pressures, and uh, but I take a picture of everything I'm looking at and verify it's the same when I get down from the flight test that hasn't consumed any of those foods. And, uh, you know, basically I document things at the airplane, either doing live video, uh, when I'm checking out the NEI systems, for instance, I use live video and uh, record it on my camcorder. Uh, because then I have to prove to the, uh, the maintenance shop that was maintaining it, or the, the owner of the airplane, that it's defective. And it's in their face, <laughs> you know. I send them a link and I say, here's what's wrong with the airplane, here's the pictures, here's the video. And tell me if I'm wrong. I'll take it off the list. And they never tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong sometimes, I'm sure. I, I doubt that. I doubt that for a minute. <laughs> hey, we've got some fantastic questions we in have. the chat room. Uh, so we'll hit you with them if, if we may. Um, we've got, uh, sorry. Uh, first, uh, one, first one from Jonathan Warner. Yep. Jonathan Warner's in the chat room, Don. And uh, he's asking, uh, um, have you taken any aircraft uh, up to fly that you think really, really just aren't. isn't good, you know, fit to Shouldn't fly? Shouldn't be in the air. Shouldn't yeah. be in the air. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Good question. I, the answer is I haven't flown in a few airplanes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'll give you a, a couple of examples. Um, a guy wanted to buy a turboprop, and he was a buddy with an airline pilot who owned a Baron, and a Beechcraft Baron. So they flew into my local airport, and they were going to pick me up in the Baron. And I said to the customer, I'm not going to fly in that airplane until I do about a 30-minute pre-flight. And he thought that was kind of unusual because I'm a passenger, you know, going to another airplane. And in my pre-flight, I noticed the elevated trim tab hinge was about to fail. And I told the, uh, the owner, who was also an airline pilot, I said, look at this. And he says, oh, I know about that. I have a spare one in the glove compartment. <laughs> well, I didn't fly in that airplane. <laughs> and I make a deal. Uh, if it's a jet airplane, especially or a piston airplane, uh, we go through a, um, a, a mission profile briefing before I fly in any airplane. And, um, and one of the key elements is uh, uh, to run the engine up to full power before you release the brakes. And if I don't like what I see, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, well, let's forget it. Let's get this engine yeah. adjusted or whatever we got to do before we go flying. Change it for you know, moment, because yeah. unfortunately, small, especially small airplanes, uh, small, you know, turbo props and jets, they, they don't, sometimes they don't use full power on takeoff. 
Wow. Uh, next question, we're, gonna, we're from the main man, Micah. The Micah. That is Micah himself. He's asked a great question, actually. He says, uh, if, if you're in a position where you can afford to buy an aeroplane, <laughs> uh, how does one choose a first aircraft to own? What should you look out for? Uh, and uh, what, what are the pros and cons, basically? I mean, if, if uh, say I, I've, you know, come into some money, I've won the lottery. Here's 10 um, grand. Here, well, and the rest. All right, yeah, 20. Probably, all right. Let's say, you know, it's, uh, what, what would you say... Uh, is a is a great plane to own. Say that you you just learnt to fly, you want to own an aircraft for the first time. What what would you recommend um, a first time purchaser uh, should go and have a look at? Well, the main thing is uh, not to talk to biased people. <laughs> you go out <laughs> yeah. to the airport and yeah. ask your friends. Yeah. The one that they own is the best plane in the world. Obviously, <laughs> well, you're quite right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so if you call me, I you know, give you 30 minutes on the phone and, yeah. and talk to you about it. First, I need to find out what you're expecting out of the airplane, what kind yeah. of mission you're going to fly, and uh, also what, what's your price range yeah. and how much a year you want to spend to own this airplane because sitting on the ground, an airplane costs money. You will, yes, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, right. So we've got to talk about those things. I've got to get your head on straight and introduce you to this uh, very general aviation market. Because when you call up a salesman about an airplane, he's just going to tell you good, good, yeah. good stuff. Yeah. He's not going to tell you everything. Yeah, he, he's not going to tell you that maintenance is a lot more expensive because it's got a really random rare part or something like that in it that it's difficult to get hold of, etc. <laughs> well, every, everybody's under the impression because it goes through an annual inspection or mm. routine inspections that the airplane, you know, is is in good shape when they get it. But those inspections, uh, most of those inspection programs were written when the airplane was new, and that could have been 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the mechanics do their job, but they only check the things that they were told to check. And, uh, you know, they mm. they don't have a free reign of doing what I do. They have a job to do. Check those wheel bearings. And, you know, <laughs> I don't care about the wheel bearings. It's cheap to fix them. Yes, they're <laughs> yeah. cheap. Yeah, yeah they're the course, cheap bits. Yeah. Absolutely. So, 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 I mean, if, but all right. I, I change change the question slightly. Then, if I if I've just I've just got my pilot's license, I, I can now take me and my family and friends out. I don't know what somebody will be able to tell me what the correct term is for that. So anyway, I've got my first um, private pilot's license, and I can take my friends out. What aircraft would you recommend? You know, money money's not an object, but I want to buy a second hand one because it's the first time I've owned a plane and all that kind of thing. What I mean, uh, would would you go down like the Cessna route? I mean, what, what, what would you be um, advising me as a, as a person who knows nothing about aeroplanes um, but wants to own his own airplane for the first time? What, what would you recommend? Well, here's an unusual question for you then. Uh -oh. What's your waistline? Um, <laughs> uh, well, the correct I answer mean, to that you, is, too, is too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> too much is the answer to that. What, yes. what, Don, uh, is, what Don is saying is yeah. you, you wouldn't want to buy a Cessna 150 right. like I fly. You'd okay. want, you'd want uh, at least a 172. Okay, yeah. right. Okay, yeah. 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 And, and then, you know, is, is anybody in your family have a hard time climbing? Right. Because if you buy a low-wing airplane, you're going to have to climb up on the wing to get into it. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Like Al's plane. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The little Piper. Yeah, I mean, Piper? these yeah. are things that, you know, actually people don't even think about when they're buying an airplane. Yeah. You know, um, and the other thing is um, 
dependability you know it's and do you have maintenance at your local field and where you where the airplane is going to be based because some people buy you know a turboprop a jet airplane and tra travel a thousand miles to get it fixed really well of course <laughs> uh, so yeah, these are all important questions yeah well um, and, and sort of looking at the bigger picture i suppose and that's that's where the experience again comes in isn't it because it's just like pe people i suppose could very easily be sort of um, you know, gilded by the like, oh, I really want this aeroplane, I think it's a beautiful aircraft, but, but not, not thinking, looking at the bigger picture. That's right. Uh, looks aren't everything in airplanes. Uh, so I usually recommend, uh, I suggest a few airplanes that are for rent in the area and go out and chart, rent the airplane for 30 minutes and, yeah. you know, let them fly around and put your passengers in it and see what everybody's opinion is. You know, it's, cheap to do that than to buy one and then have to sell it a few months later because yeah. you don't like it <laughs> yeah true true so we've got another question for you don from the chat room this is from nev the neville bounds from oh, nevtech the legend uh, yes, he's uh, he's asking uh, how many types of aircraft are you typewriter on well that's a good question uh i was typewriter on a, s a single pilot for a citation jet uh but basically uh, I have an airline transport rating. That doesn't mean I can fly airlines right. <laughs> until I get typewritten on it. But, uh, you know, basically my, my job for the past 42 years has been to check out an airplane, not to really be pilot in command because mm. I'm so busy. I don't have time to talk to air traffic control. Right. Yeah. And uh, I used to, you know, fly a thousand hours a year yeah. <laughs> but uh you know lately i uh i just fly to keep current once in a while but if i need to and uh my main thing is is uh the airplane and yeah, i need all the access to it i need my video camera going need my uh all my tools going my i need to go through my checklist and uh, I need to uh, look for unusual things and figure out really quickly to troubleshoot them. Because mm -hmm. especially in a jet, when you're only going up for an hour and the operating cost is like $6,000 an hour, wow. <laughs> you wow. know, I want to get done quick, yeah. get done with that flight test, get I, it back on the ground. Yeah, and a very short period of time, as you say, to find as much information as you can about the, 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 the damn thing. Uh, and a great question, I think, from, from Tony S. in the chat room, oh, saying uh, if, you, if you find something seriously wrong, Wrong with the aircraft do you have to report it to the FAA well that's a really good question uh, and the fact is that uh, they consider this thing I'm doing is not as a routine inspection uh, if you were doing an annual inspection on an airplane uh, either you complete it and make it airworthy or you notify the FAA it's not airworthy um, yeah. and during a uh, Hundred uh, during a commercial operate type airplane where you're doing maybe an 800 hour inspection, you would just not sign the airplane off until the squawks are fixed. Mm. And he could taxi the airplane across the ramp and let somebody else go through the same inspection process. But in my case, it's it's an evaluation. It's not a required inspection. Now, if a, if I feel the airplane is unsafe to fly, well, I I, I kind of put a red tag on it and take a picture, and of uh, course I. <laughs> always informed the uh, I could tell you a story about that but anyway I always informed uh, the but he's not going to the no. <laughs> yeah they're going to get a written squawk list right and it's, yeah. it's my opinion the squawk yeah. list but on the squawk list I refer them to why I think 
this item makes the yeah. airplane unairworthy. It's, it's what we like regulation. to is what we like to refer to as a constructive criticism of the aircraft. Mm. If you see what right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's one of those, isn't it? Because it's not necessarily your position to say that there there is something directly wrong with the aircraft, but you are nevertheless advising the person that there is something wrong with the aircraft. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was down in Miami, Florida, many years ago, and there was a, a Cessna one. 52 down there with a freshly mm. overhauled engine only had 20 hours on it and it was dripping oil oh no but it was yeah it was dripping oil sounds like the, the aircraft I fly. the crankcase <laughs> <laughs> and that's not a good place to drip oil so i started shaking hands with the bolts that hold the crankcase together and they were loose and the flight instructor came over to me and said uh, hey i got a student in 15 minutes hurry up put the cowl on i said you're not going any place in this airplane <laughs> no <laughs> and he he was adamant to fly this airplane. I said, well, wait a minute. I said, uh, stand by the prop for a second. And he didn't know I had a red tag on the propeller. I took a picture of him. I said, <laughs> and, well, he didn't fly the airplane after he saw I was serious about that. But that's an unusual case. Yeah. Most people don't know their airplane is not airworthy. I mean, there's so many things that make an airplane airworthy that um, – a lot of people don't realize they've been flying around, you know, with expired items and whatnot. Yeah. Mm. Have you again a sort of a follow-up question from from that, Don? Is uh, have you ever actually inspected an aircraft that has subsequently had to be scrapped or written off? And that's from Tony S. as well. Yeah. Well, matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, it came pretty close to that. Uh, I went up to Hyannis, Massachusetts, on a 421 Cessna twin-engine turbocharged airplane pressurized and the first day I had like 75 squawks and the second day I had 150 squawks and I said to the buyer who was with me he was a pilot also I said we better go home this this plane uh, it's going to cost more than fixed than it's worth and uh, he said okay and so we went home and uh, I gave the squawk list to the maintenance shop who's been maintaining the airplane and I said, well, we'll never hear from them again. Right. And about three weeks later, they call us up and say, we got all your squawks fixed. I said, wow. Wow. So we rushed down and we gave the gentleman who owns the airplane the, the cash. And, yeah. and uh, it winds up that it was $82,000 to fix it. And it was only a $79,000 airplane. No way. <laughs> no way. I, I don't know if the gentleman that owned the airplane knew what the maintenance shop bill was. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't. <laughs> well, I, I suppose, though, otherwise it's just a very expensive piece of scrap metal if you don't that do is. those things. So you're almost better to repair it. I don't know. It's like, maybe not. Who knows? It's, uh, Glenn Towler is asking, uh, what is the largest aircraft that you've ever done a pre-buy on? Well, I, I guess the airlines, uh, the Boeing 727, I guess. I never did really a four-engine airline. Um, you know, basically, um, mostly the corporate jets are uh, Bombardiers or Bombardiers, or whatever you call it, <laughs> and the uh, Hawkers, you know. Uh, my mm. special, uh, I seem to do more Citation jets because uh, there's more of them around. Uh, I got into Falcon 50s and Falcon 900s. Um, I just did a, um, I can't remember, two years ago I did an interesting plane. Sometimes I do a military plane. Mm. Um, I did uh, a Fugger, which is a French uh, jet fighter. A a general living in New York State called me and told me he wanted me to go down to Austin, Texas. 
And uh, that was interesting. I was afraid to fly in the airplane. Wow. <laughs> so I mounted a uh, camcorder on the pilot's helmet. Mm. And because I would be sitting in the back of the airplane looking through a periscope, it was like tandem seating. Not only that, but he didn't have a parachute for me to wear. <laughs> and I wasn't too sure about this airplane. <laughs> no, no so, I, <laughs> so anyway, I put my GPS in the back seat, and I told, gave him a mission profile. And he went ahead and, and flew that plane the way I told him. And we looked at it at a big screen TV when he landed. And I come up with like 43 squawks. And uh, the general bought the airplane after he fixed it. So that was kind of interesting. Wow. Another question for you, Don, from Liz Piper, and uh, she said, uh, "Do you uh, do you ever tell people uh, they are buying too much plane for their first plane?" Well, yeah, I, uh, I suggest it. I, I can't tell them what to do. <laughs> Some people, you know, just don't like me to tell them. But uh, after I give them the facts, uh, they understand. <laughs> you know, we, we go over the possibilities. And not only that, but, you know, this plane might seem terrific. You know, it might have the avionics, and it's a jet airplane. It's just what I want, and it's only $2 million instead of $3 million like the rest of them. <laughs> and after I do that hour office work, <laughs> that day of office work, I got to give them the bad news. You know, there's another seven hundred thousand dollars here before you even start, <laughs> because you know there's there's just so many things, uh, life limited parts of the engine and airframe, and there's just so much to it. Uh, big inspections coming up that might cost fifty thousand dollars in labor, and uh, even on small airplanes, you know, the numbers aren't that big, but items are there for them to know about, and for that price. You know, they could buy a, probably a, a better airplane, maybe if just wanted a better one out there, because uh, I'll help them shop for one if they want me to. Uh, but I generally, the buyers come to me and they have an airplane selected. Mm. And I tell them, well, have two or three selected, because when I go to check out an airplane, if you want me to go to the airplane, it's a lot cheaper to go to the next one and the next one than it is, you know, to uh, come back home base and go out again. And that worked out quite well uh, about last year. Uh, a, a, a helicopter pilot from Afghanistan called me, and he wanted to buy a single-engine airplane in Clearwood, Florida. And it didn't sound good from and talking to the owner. So I said, is there another one around that you could buy? He says, yeah, there's one that's $10,000 more at the same airport. I said, well, good. Have that have that fellow waiting at his airplane uh, around 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We'll be done with the other one. And sure enough, you know, he wound up getting that other airplane, which was a much better buy for the same price. <laughs> really? So Tony S. in the chat room, Don, has, uh, has asked, uh, actually you were talking about, uh, t talking about him just then. Do you inspect helicopters as well? Yeah, I'm raiding in helicopters, and I had a, not very often, but I do have helicopter jobs, mostly it's legal cases. I'm an expert witness, and we had a helicopter, uh, Bell 46, I mean Bell 206 uh, Jet Ranger, who went down on a rooftop in Muscle Shells, Alabama. And uh, I got involved in that case, and I found out that when they cleaned the tail rotor transmission, they left some of the bead blast in there which seized the gears, <laughs> and the shop didn't know that. Uh, you know, if I went there, uh, they wouldn't have found that, but I was on site. Uh, I got a helicopter rating. If you want to hear a funny story, I could tell you how I got my instrument rating in a helicopter oh, by on. my sense of smell. <laughs> really? Really? Now, come on. You, you can't leave it there. How did that happen? Uh, well, 
when I got out of the army, I had the GI Bill, and I was picking up all my ratings. And uh, I wanted to get a rating in a Learjet, but those Learjets back in 1966 were brand new airplanes, and they were all taken up. I couldn't fly one of them, so I jumped into a helicopter and and uh, got my commercial and. For the instrument rating, I had to fly with the FAA guy back then, you know, the designee, and not a designee like it is today. And uh, and it had a, uh, a, a stopwatch in the hill. It was a Bell uh, 206 Long Ranger, a turbine helicopter. So on the instrument approach, uh, it was a times approach, and I went over the radio station, which is called the VOR, and went to take my time, and then I realized the clock was broke. <laughs> Oh, so no. how am I going to do this without a <laughs> clock? And I was wearing long sleeve shirts, and the uh, FAA guy noticed I wasn't wearing a watch. So he had a big grin on his face. He said, I'm going to bust this guy. So I'm chugging along at 60 knots and saying, and then I remembered, there's a McDonald's hamburger stand at the end of the runway. Maybe <laughs> I'll smell it. And sure enough, you know, in a helicopter, you when you're low to the ground, you get all the odors from the ground. Yeah. And I smoked McDonald's and said, uh, decision point. He says, how'd you, how'd you do that? I said, I passed the, the rating for an instrument helicopter. Yes, he passed it. I said, sign, sign the form and I'll tell you. And he was shocked when I told him. Yeah, that's amazing. That is so cool. So from... So from uh, from start to finish, Don. Um, I mean, Pilot Pip, our uh, the the amazing Pilot Pip, who does a segment for our show, who's coming up in just a bit. He uh, he he flies the Hawker, the eight hundred, I think it is the Hawker eight hundred. From start to finish, Don. If you were doing a, a pre-buy on on a jet of that size, how long does it take you to do a complete pre-buy from start to finish? Well, it depends on the airplane. Matter of fact, I did a few Hawker eight hundred XPs in a couple of years ago. And um, the first one I, I did, uh, it was a pretty good airplane. It came from a large uh, energy company in the United States and it was going to Africa. So I had to comply and actually explain to the CAA over in Africa. You know, it was the first charter jet, I think it was, in that nation in Africa. So that was interesting. And, uh, you know, I spent about a, a whole week, I guess, uh, because first we went up for the flight test, and the flight test went pretty good. It was only like 10 or 15 items, and uh, but the records were something else because it was privately owned airplane. Uh, to, com to comply with a charter operation in Africa, uh, there was a lot of things we had to do. And one thing that was wrong with the airplane was the uh, yeah, they didn't keep up. The, it came from a carrier, carrier air conditioning in Canada, and the Canadian logbooks, they didn't keep up with the... Uh, Canadian logbooks, just U.S. logbooks, and uh, actually the U.S. logbooks was nothing more than work orders and stuff. So I told the buyer, I said, "We might have you might have a problem selling this airplane unless you met, let me rework all the logbooks and pull out these Canadian logbooks and notarize them." And well, they said, "How long would that take?" I said, "That's going to take another four or five days. I got to verify all that stuff has been done, and then make my statement and sign it off in the Canadian logbooks." He said, "Oh no, don't worry about it." So anyway, three years later, the plane was in Portugal, and they had to send me back there. The buyer wouldn't buy it unless he had the Canadian logbooks. Oh no. <laughs> So I'm guessing most of the aircraft are, are similar kind of cars in this country, uh, Don, where you, you, you have a, a logbook 
and in the logbook you have obviously all the the previous owners and all the uh, the checks it's had and the, the services or the what we call them MOTs in this country for mm. cars. But um, so is it a similar thing? I'm guessing with the older aircraft, I, I'm guessing that the these um, um, you know these histories, the books, all the history, and it must be rather large books. Well, that's true. The older the airplane and the more sophisticated the airplane is. Uh, I did a NetJets uh, airplane, and they threw me uh, three CDs, 14,000 records. Wow. <laughs> so That's a lot of detail. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, uh, you know, basically, uh, I'll believe the sign-off of the logbook if the sign-off is correct. But if the sign-off isn't correct, doesn't use the right terminology, doesn't have the correct signatures and endorsements, then I'm suspicious, and I might go inspect inspect that part. Right. There's parts of an airplane, regardless, I always inspect. You know, uh, on a jet airplane, the entrance door and under the potty, <laughs> uh, the, the flushing lab in the back. Yeah. Those are really critical places to look for uh, corrosion. Um, I had a G1 once, and it cost... I found corrosion back there, and it was like you know, a million-dollar airplane and $300,000 to fix it. Wow, <laughs> that's a lot of money. So, Don, before we wrap up uh, wrap up the interview today, just a, a question for me. Do you, are, you, are you an aircraft owner yourself? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm so sick of working an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, well... Here's the deal. If I owned an airplane, everybody would say, jump in your airplane and go check out this other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's a lot cheaper to fly on the airlines. Well, Not only that, but when I'm on an airliner, I'm working. Well, you know, yeah. I got everything canned to my yeah. uh, computer, my laptop, and I'm working. Um, you know, uh, creating uh, the, the plan on how I'm going to find defects on this airplane. So my time is pretty well taken up, and I don't want to be driving an airplane <laughs> at the same time. So your frequent flyers mileage then, uh, Don, you must have uh, yeah. quite a few uh, frequent Gold flyer status, miles. Yeah. Got platinum, <laughs> platinum, platinum status. Yeah. Well, it doesn't help much because I'm on a lot of different airlines, and <laughs> I, I try to save the customers as much money as I can. So I fly the senior rate, and sometimes the spur of the moment, you know, best rate, want to get there type rates. And because uh, I carry, you know, Southwest is my favorite airline because they let me check two bags for free. And each of those bags weigh 50 pounds because they have tools in them. <laughs> Plus wow. I carry on 25 pounds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I'm pretty loaded down. And, uh, you know, if I could save the customer three or $400 flying on a discount airline yeah. and it's efficient, time efficient, you know, for my time, uh, yeah. that's the way I'll go. Yeah. So just uh, last one from me and then one last wrap-up from Matt. Uh, so so Don, what's the future hold for you, Don? What have you got planned for, uh, for the future? Well, I figure I got 25 more good years to go until I'm 100. Nothing <laughs> hey. hey. wrong with that. Good. That's what I like. Uh, yeah. So I got some young blood now. I have uh, this uh, very talented young man working with me. And uh, we're getting into uh, these virtual pre-buys where we inspect an airplane, uh, you know, using our smartphones and on Skype and recording the whole thing. And that's why if the buyer isn't available while we're doing this, uh, he can go up to the cloud and download the video. And uh, But, you know, basically my job, you know, 
isn't using a whole lot of screwdrivers, especially on a jet airplane. There isn't much access on the outside. Now, you get a twin-engine Cessna, that's different. I'm going to earn my money. I'm going to be cutting apart oil filters and undoing inspection plates. But on a jet airplane, there's, there's specific things I want to see. And uh, after the flight test, if we decide to buy this airplane, if everything goes right and they're willing to fix the existing squawks, which might be hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes, um, on the Bombardier uh, 605 I did, they had to take out the whole entertainment center to fix one creature item in the back of the airplane. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. And that was a, so if everything goes right, I, I tell the buyer, I said, well, I can, you know, I, I don't see any corrosion as far as I got. The easy places to get to, I have a boroscope, mm. you know, that goes into, snakes into these places. Yeah. I said, but, you know, you have a 600-hour inspection coming up in another 100 hours. Yeah. Uh, this should be part of the pre-buy. And after they got this here, they'll take the airplane apart, and I'll make sure and I'll inspect it also, yeah. and then I'll leave, and they can put it back together. <laughs> because, I like it. You know, yeah. we know it's there. Everything's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Now we always ask all all of our guests uh, this one question. Uh, we do it at the air shows and everything. If there was one aircraft um, that you could um, either fly or be a passenger in, uh, any aircraft it doesn't have to be flying at the moment. It's just whichever aircraft that's ever existed currently or in history. What aircraft would you most love to either fly or be a passenger in in the entire world? Just your favourite, like anything, anything, Don. Anything from a Spitfire, you know, like dream aircraft. Dream aircraft, yeah. Well, I'd like to fly in an Airbus 380. <laughs> really? Uh, obviously, you know, wow. there's not many people performing that. But yeah. I'd like to fly in that. And a, a dream aircraft, well, let's say I only had 50 grand a year to spend. <laughs> I, I, would, I would buy myself a, what they call a Cessna 421C model, yeah. which is a pressurized airplane that go to 29,000 feet. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, I, I think I'd buy one of them. And uh, yeah, what the heck, it's only like... 50 gallons an hour right <laughs> okay seems, seems very very cost effective well that's that's, that's an unusual choice that's that that's re that's really quite exciting so listen guys if you want to uh uh catch up uh and learn more about don and what he does for a living essentially take yourselves to uh www.airplaneprebuyguy uh, sorry, airplaneprebuy.com. So that's www.airplaneprebuy.com. And you'll find, obviously, the link to that in our show notes at the end of the show. So we have got a segment then from Pilot Pip that he sent in just before the show. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting segment indeed for you. So if you're ready over in the world of technical stuff there, Matt, yep. to uh, play said okay. segment. Let's go. Yeah, Let's go. Thank you for inviting me on your show. And I'm saying hello to the audience out there. And uh, I, I said a few comments on the chat room. And, and uh, I appreciate the uh, patronage. Uh, so have a good day, everybody. Yeah, yeah don't yeah, yeah. stay. Stay. We'll keep with us, Dom. We're we're out, we're out just going to play Pip segment, and then we'll uh, come back to you before uh, before we finish and wrap up the show, Don. So uh, stick with us, and uh, hope you enjoy this segment from Pip. Any chance, uh, Don? While you're here, still, is there any chance are you going to uh, to Pittsburgh for the air show uh, this year in May? Well, if I'm not working, I'd like to. Um, 
you know, it's, I'm an on-demand type of guy. You know, and people call me up; they want me yeah. to leave tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so I never know what my schedule is. No, I don't. Suppose, I suppose oh. that's the only uh, that's the only trouble with that for a job, isn't it? Really. I wish I had his job. Yeah, I bet you do. Oh, <laughs> I so wish I had his yeah. job. I bet it's not anywhere near as glamorous as you think it is. <laughs> I, I bet it's not. I Don bet. gets to fly in all these wonderful aircraft. I, it would be like a dream job, Matt. Honestly, I yeah, I'd do it for I free. I would work for free. I would yeah. literally work for free just yeah. to do that. Okay, you're, I got you signed up. Next time we get the job <laughs> yeah, in, over there in London, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're yeah, the man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm only halfway through the PPL. Oh, I'm only halfway through. I'm, I'm getting there slowly, slowly, Don, slowly. No, no problem. Look, you've got an, ear, an earpiece in your ear. We'll tell you exactly what to do. Yeah, good. Right, okay. I'm delighted, I'm delighted to say, boys and girls, I'm now able to, to play out PIP segments. Sorry about that. Bit of a glitch. We're having a few issues in the, in the studio here, as, as I said at the top of the show, but uh, I've got it sorted now. I've got it. So make sure you've got your throffy bevy in front of you as we welcome the legend that is Pilot Pip. Plane safety from the flight deck with Pilot Pip. Hi everybody, it's Pip here with another Safety from the Flight Deck segment. And this week I want to talk about GPS, or more correctly called GNSS. And GPS-based navigation, or uh, as I say GNSS, which is Global Navigation Satellite System, is probably the most common navigation system used today in aviation. It gives us very high accuracy. Uh, sometimes down to as little as 30 centimeters, which is very accurate, is simple to operate, has worldwide coverage and pretty low maintenance costs. And in the aviation industry, there's a general perception that a GPS is the, the holy grail of navigation. And GPS is often considered to solve uh, all the issues that were associated with previous older technology, older means of navigation. Um, you know, it improved on accuracy, even at high latitudes had worldwide coverage, which a lot of the older systems didn't have. However, even GPS has its weakness, and it's, it's weaknesses that I want to talk to you about today. So what are some of the weaknesses of GPS? Well, let's just um, clarify what we mean by GPS. So GPS is the US Global Navigation Satellite System, made up of 24 satellites placed into orbit by the US Department of Defense. And the GPS satellites, these 24 satellites, circle the Earth twice a day and transmit a signal information uh, back to Earth that are picked up by the GPS receivers. Uh, now, GPS is just one example of a GNSS, a global navigation satellite system, but it's not the only one out there. It's certainly the most common one that we use, but uh, the European system is is certainly up there and it's being added to all the time. The Russians have one, the Chinese have one, I think even the Indians uh, are putting one up there. But certainly GPS, the American system, is, is the most common. And as I say, these 24 satellites, they circle the Earth twice a day and they transmit, uh, well, a whole bunch of information actually. There's two separate codes that they transmit, one that is available for use by the civilian world and there's another, the P code, which is generally uh, only available for military use. And also within those signals, it also includes a bunch of other data that the satellites themselves use uh, for monitoring each other, monitoring where they are in space and time. And this is called the, the almanac. And it's important that the aircraft has this information as well. So it knows exactly where the satellites should be at any particular time. 
And that's one of the first weaknesses of GPS is when the GPS almanac is outdated on the aircraft, perhaps due to ex an extended maintenance cycle. So, for instance, if an aircraft has been out of service, it's been having some work done in it for more than, say, 20 days, then there's a pretty good probability that the almanac data is going to be outdated. So this will result in a much longer time taken for the GPS to acquire the aircraft position once it's started up again. So more than likely, when it comes out of a long maintenance period, you're going to have to power up the aircraft and leave it there stationary for a good 30 minutes or so for it to acquire the GPS uh, status information. So that could be a bit of a nuisance, although it's not the end of the world. Now, a more significant weakness in the GPS system is the possibility of downgraded coverage. Now, GNSS differs from traditional uh, navigation systems in that the satellites and consequently the signals and any areas of degraded coverage are in constant motion because obviously the satellites are constantly orbiting the Earth. So therefore, if a satellite fails or is taken out of service for maintenance, then it's not immediately clear which areas of airspace on the Earth are going to be affected by that. Now, it is possible, of course, to predict when and where these outages may occur using sophisticated computer programs and analysis and that can be passed on uh, to crews during the pre-flight planning stages. But there are other reasons why you might lose GPS signal coverage. Um, perhaps you could encounter some form of signal interference. Illegal GPS jammers are just one of the many threats to GPS signals uh, and it does occasionally happen illegal jamming of GPS signals. Although it's possible to have uh, GPS signals interfered with by solar activity from the sun, the associated electrical storms that you get up in the higher ionosphere, the higher portions of our atmosphere. RF interference, radio frequency interference from nearby cell towers, mobile phone towers and other transmitters can interfere with GPS signals. And part of the vulnerability is caused by um, the relatively low signal strength of GPS. A typical GPS satellite transmits its signal with a power of about 26 watts. And remember, of course, it's located in an orbit above the Earth approximately 20,000 kilometers away. So compare that to the 150 watts typical signal from a VOR station that has a range of about two to 400 kilometers. So you can see it's what you're getting from the GPS. It's very far away and it's at quite a low signal strength anyway. So all of those threats can have quite a serious impact on GNSS receivers, causing them to either lose the signal entirely or to calculate or report an erroneous position. Now at SafeJets we've certainly had one or two cases, reported cases of illegal jamming, uh, particularly in the Moscow area and more recently uh, it's been reported near Cairo in Egypt. So it's very important to recognize when uh, loss of signal happens and to act appropriately. Uh, you know, if you're relying on a GPS signal to perform some sort of GPS-based approach, then you need to have a monitoring and alerting system to let you know if that signal is lost or degraded below a minimum standard. But of course, illegal GPS jamming is not the only time the signals get interfered with. Military occasionally do GPS jamming exercises as well, particularly the US military, those naughty folks. But hey, it's their system, so why not? But it does happen, and that can be 
particularly hazardous to some aircraft types. For instance, the the new uh, business jet on the market, the Embraer Phenom 300, is quite susceptible to GPS jamming. It has a, some might say, a slightly bizarre system where the GPS is used to enhance the precision of the AHARS unit and if that GPS signal's lost, the AHARS system, which is basically the heading and reference system, the AHARS system may start to drift and then when certain speed and bank thresholds are exceeded, uh, it triggers uh, the yaw damper and autopilot to fail, which <laughs> seems to me a slightly crazy system, but, but it is what it is. And that has happened on one or two occasions in the US to uh, Embraer Phenom 300 aircraft. So generally, or we would hope that any military uh, fiddling with the GPS signal will be notified in advance and be no tam so it's visible for everybody but you know some people have fallen foul of that already and then on a slightly wider uh, scale failure of GPS on the aircraft itself or a lack of signal can affect some of the aircraft systems for instance if the aircraft's FMS uses GPS as the sole navigation source then a GPS failure could affect important safety systems like EGBWS and and ADSB out systems. So although GPS-based navigation is, I think we'd agree by far the best navigation solution that we've got at present, the GPS signals are vulnerable to possible interference and interference can be caused by natural factors or by intentional jamming and so crew members are always advised to pay attention to GPS navigation systems by carefully monitoring the GPS status and by being aware that they may lose signal at any time. And of course we do need to know and be trained in procedures and what to do if we do lose GPS signals, uh, particularly at those very important stages when we're conducting GPS or GNSS approaches. Well, that's it from me. I'll hopefully be back with another segment on a future episode. But until then, I'm going to hand it back to the guys, Carlos and Matt, and Don Sebastian, the pre-buy guy. Hi, Don. Goodbye to everyone else. Oh, dear. Up a bit. So <laughs> that, that was a bit low, that, that aircraft. Sorry, I'm sorry about that. Blimey. Yeah. Uh, so we are back. Thank you very, very much indeed to uh, Pip for sending that segment across right at the yeah. last minute today. The uh, good man, top man for getting mm. that out to us this evening. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, very interesting indeed. Got to have a bit of GPS in your life. You have. Exactly. Yeah. So hey, uh, Hi, pilot Pip. <laughs> Thanks for... Uh, uh, saying hello, and uh, hey, I hope to get over there and fly on your airplane someday, and I promise I won't squawk it. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on some kind of blacklist, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> so that's uh, that's what we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wrap up things now for the show this week, and we're going we're gonna to say a massive, massive thank you to, uh, to Don, Sebastian, the pre-buy guy, for, uh, for coming on the show today. Don, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and been a real, real, real interesting thing. For, uh, for me to listen to with all the uh, bits and pieces of info you've had. So thanks very much, Dom. Oh, you're welcome, man. It's been a ple my pleasure. So the question is, what kind of airplane are you going to buy? Oh, now there's a question. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Yeah, when, when you've got your license sorted, Carlos, when I what, have my plane license, you, I know. what plane is Gemma not going to allow you to buy? <laughs> well, no, I, do you know what? You can pick up a nice Cessna 150 or 152 in this country. Yeah. Fairly, fairly hey, cheap. Uh, 
Also, you know, once you buy it, everybody wants to fly it, mm. so you don't need a license. <laughs> good, good point. Exactly, yeah. Good point. Yeah, absolutely. That's the trouble you see buying buying the little air, buying the aircraft in the UK is it's not it's not that bad. The prices aren't too bad for the used one fifty, yeah. especially the older ones like I fly. Yeah. It's just the upkeep. It's all the yeah, the maintenance, uh, the maintenance and, and stuff, yeah. and which is why most people go in, yeah. you know, a quarter each. You know, four four guys by a quarter each. So. Absolutely. So, so as we mentioned earlier, then if you want to find out more about what Don does for a living, there's a fantastic little website that they've put together: www.airplaneprebuy.com. If you put airplaneprebuy.com forward slash podcast in, you'll actually go straight to the page um, and you can listen to the podcast that we were talking about earlier. Don, I'll be going there Monday. Yeah, indeed, Don. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, it's Don, been a real pleasure. Big round of applause to Don. Hey. Well done, Don. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I'm bowing. You can't see me. <laughs> and, yeah. and that word pre-buy, everybody has trouble with that. It's P-R-E-B-U-Y, all one word, ah. airplane, P-R-E-B-U-Y. Well, thanks for plugging my uh, website and our program. Uh, maybe maybe you guys can come over to the U.S. sometime and we'll, uh, we'll go flying. Yeah, oh, that would be lovely. Well, as I say, we're, 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 we're both going to be at uh, Pittsburgh. We in will be May, in May so for the Pittsburgh. If you are there, then it'd be great to, to meet you for, for real, Don. So, uh, yeah, yeah hopefully, hopefully you won't be working that day, Don. You can take a trip over to uh, to the uh, the air show at Pittsburgh. Mm. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to it. Yeah. Good. Fantastic. Excellent. So that is it, guys. That's where we bring episode number 149. It's 150 next week. It's our 150 show next week. Oh, no. What we're going to do, I have no (laughs) idea. Probably nothing. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) we're uh, just going to do the show outside. Are we? What? Yeah. This is the UK. You're aware of that. It's like minus two outside oh, at the I moment. Know, I know, I know. <laughs> anyway. We'll, we'll come up with some idea. I'm sure we'll come up with something. And a lot of the, the general chat room uh, banter has been, Matt, that we do the 150th show in a pub. So we do a pub cast. Right. A pub cast. Okay. A pub cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An yeah, aviation yeah. pub cast. Okay, all right. Oh, brilliant idea. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. all okay. right. Great. Lovely. I, I can't think what could possibly go wrong <laughs> with that. But anyway, yes. From so we can, so for, that's it from episode number 149. From yeah. me, uh, Carlos, it's a huge goodbye to everyone. A goodbye. And uh, from goodbye. you, Don. Yep, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> goodbye, everyone. <laughs>